Greetings and welcome to this edition of TW Now. This edition is pre-recorded, and so if you try to go ahead and comment or ask questions, unfortunately we won't be able to get to you today. Uh, we will be addressing a few questions if we, if we get the time of uh, typically ask questions about the topic that we're addressing today, but uh, we'll be back live here uh, with the following, following week. We do want to welcome our guests, first of all, ah, and before I do, we have a, a special occasion because as we film this, this TW Now, we have now been in production for one year. So this is our one year anniversary of producing, produce, producing these, uh, these, these short programs, and uh, so it's a little bit special for us today. Um, as we begin, I do want to welcome our, our guests, our two guests are uh, familiar faces on our program. Uh, first of all, Mr. Gerald Weston who is the author of the booklet that we uh, produce, The Living Church of God Produces, Easter, The Untold Story. So thank you for being with us today, Mr. Weston. Thank you. And also Mr. Dexter Wayfield, again, a familiar face on our, our program. And he's written an article titled, Are You a Cortidecimant? And so uh, we welcome him again. I should say this article is in our Tomorrow's World publications. So if you'd like to look for either one of these, uh, the, these booklets, these uh, literature elements, please go ahead and look on the Tomorrow's World website, both Easter, the Untold Story by Mr. Gerald Weston, and also uh, the article, Are You a Cortidecimon? which we'll, we'll ask him to define for us here today, and uh, that's from Mr. Dexter Wakefield. So welcome on the program. March, April 2013, if they want to find it. Okay, March, Good. April 2013 mm -hmm. for, uh, for, for the article. Okay, let's go ahead and get, and get started with the discussion today. We, uh, we want to begin by asking this question. Why is it that most churchgoers believe that <coughs> Easter is one of the two most important days in the Christian calendar, along with along with uh, with Christmas, and and what's the connection between Passover and Easter? Why is it the average churchgoer keeps Easter when when we read the Bible, we see a lot of references to Passover? So why the disparity? Why the difference? And how do we get to this point? So let's begin, Mr. Weston. Perhaps you could be our our first. Uh, a first victim in, in, the, in answering questions today, put the spotlight on, on you. Um, why, why do you think that most people keep Easter? I would go back to a, a story in, in my booklet on Easter, the untold story. I began uh, fairly early there telling the story about my atheist Uncle George, a very colorful character to say the least, uh, rather uh, crass and crude in a lot of ways. But he told me one time how he became an atheist, and it all began when he was five years of age. And that was the time when his mother, which is my grandmother, told him to go out and look for the eggs that the rabbits had laid. And she raised rabbits, and he knew that they didn't lay eggs. And he said, well, well Mother, you know that rabbits don't lay eggs. And she said, well, Georgie, that's what she called him, uh, go out and look for the eggs, and if you look real hard, you'll find them. And he said he really did look but she must have hidden him too well. And he came back in and she had her back to him. She was at the sink or the, the window, he couldn't remember exactly. And he took her by the legs and turned her around and looked up at her and said, Mother, you lied to me. Rabbits don't lay eggs. Mm -hmm. And he said, that is when I began to question uh, religion. Mm. And it's interesting because many years later, I came along and I found out that I'd been lied to about the very same things. Easter, Christmas, a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. and, but 
I was learning the truth at the time, and so I went in a very different direction. So it's, it is very important, and, and tradition, following tradition is not the best way to go. Mr. Wakefield, what do you, what do you think? What's your well, experience? You know, the, the histories of this is really important. If you want to find out what happened, you have to go back and look how it happened. The first century church, the uh, initial church, was taught, were taught by the apostles, we know that as a matter of history, to keep the Christian Passover. We'll maybe go into that here in a little while. But then after a great controversy in the first and second century called the quarter decimal controversy, I mean the 14th controversy over whether to keep it on the 14th of the first month or Easter, which was then becoming the, uh, the, the dominant idea in, uh, in Orthodox Christianity or what became Orthodox Christianity, that um, the first century church most definitely did keep Passover on the 14th. So <clears throat> let me ask you this, either one of you gentlemen, you're, what we're saying is that the Passover actually came from the Bible, was kept by Christians of mm. the first century uh, as opposed to Easter. Where did Easter come from then? Why, why would we even be talking about Easter? Well, I think it's important to even recognize as we're talking about the Quartodeciman controversy, why would there be a Quartodeciman controversy? And it is interesting, when you look at the New Testament, something that many uh, church-going Christians are not aware of is that Christ was crucified on the day of the Passover. Mm -hmm. And when you think about that, why, why was that, what was the association between that? And you look at the Old Testament, the original Passover, that's when the death angel passed over the children of Israel and those that had the blood of a lamb on the, over the door and on the two side posts was protected from the death angel and those that didn't have the blood died. And so Christ shed his blood so that uh, the death angel, you might say, would pass over us. So the symbolism from the Old Testament still applies in the New Testament is what, is what you're saying. What, now, what uh, versus the symbolism from Easter, where does, how, how does that apply? I mean, doesn't that apply to Christians? Well, the, Christ said at the, what was the Last Supper, Christ, uh, how, how I have longed to keep this Passover with you. He very much wanted to do that. And um, the New Testament goes on to say, Christ, our Passover was sacrificed for us. So mm -hmm. we know that Christ when he died, and then the following day, of course, was the High Holy Day, they had to get him into his grave. But uh, the importance of Christ as our Passover is prefigured mm. by the first Passover. That's why it was there. It was a shadow of things to come, which is uh, a fulfillment uh, by uh, what Christ did. Later on, the uh, Orthodox Christianity simply moved away from it, and they already had their own festivals at those mm -hmm. times, and they put a Christian veneer on the festivals that they already had and it was much easier for the pagans to then adopt those things. That's a matter of history and, and really not that controversial. So, are, so uh, are there any other references to the New Testament? I'm, let's say I know nothing about the Bible whatsoever and um, I want to say, show me, where, where do we read in the New Testament about the Passover? You mentioned Christ mm -hmm. uh, dying on the Passover, being crucified on the Passover. Uh, are there any other of the, the, the early church leaders that uh, kept the Passover? Did the apostles keep the Passover? What, how, how do we, where would we go to learn sure. about that? Well, there, there was quite a controversy that erupted, which is the Quartodeciman controversy, and that was whether to keep this pagan festival 
which was Easter. And, and it's interesting, I, I don't want to get away from, from that aspect of, of your earlier question there, uh, where does it come from? When we look at the very term Easter, uh, it comes from Eostre, from Ishtar, from Estarte, uh, all different names for the same pagan goddess of fertility. And so then you bring in rabbits, you bring in eggs, you bring in the lily, all symbols of fertility that came from a, a pre-Christian uh, past. And so that was, as Mr. Wakefield was saying, was really, they put a Christian veneer on it. And, and if, you, if you're a churchgoer, you ought to ask the question, why are we keeping a festival with the name of a pagan goddess with all the symbols of fertility that went along with that pagan goddess. That's something that people ought to know. Whereas the, the, the Bible shows the Passover, Christ kept the Passover and the Days of Unleavened Bread with his, with his parents growing up when he was 12 years old and went down to Jerusalem. Uh, we know of at least three, if not four, Passovers in his lifetime. And then again, he said, I want to keep this Passover with you before I suffer before he, he died on the, the, the evening before his crucifixion. Couple, couple questions before we get too far then into the, the history. A couple questions. First, just from a, a personal basis, why, why don't you think people ask the question? I mean, why, why do uh, so many people go through the motions of hunting for Easter eggs uh, when it comes to Easter Sunday? What, why, why do people do it? What do you, what do you think? I I'm, I'm just mean from a, I don't know, a psychological perspective or why do people do something if it doesn't make any sense? What, what do you think? Well, I mean, they, uh, I'm sure that hunting for Easter eggs and so forth, these things have their appeal. And they were done for centuries, uh, long before they got um, Christian names on them. And uh, I think uh, they have a, a certain appeal to people. But uh, the, uh, the, the Christian church of the first century was very different in what they said. You mentioned where do we find all of these things in the Bible. I, if I could take a moment just to read something. This is from the article that we referenced earlier. In 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26, the Apostle Paul gave the church in Corinth, a Gentile church, these are Gentiles in Corinth, Greece, instructions on how to keep the Christian Passover, the quarter decimal Passover. Now, if I can just interject just real quickly here. When we say the Passover, wh what do we mean? Just the ceremony itself. What, what did that, what, before we go on, look at the history, what do, people, what do we do? What, what do people do for the Passover? So understand. Okay. Well, if, if you look at the, uh, uh, the example in the scriptures, Jesus kept the Passover with his disciples before he died that, on that evening. What people call the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, various other terms, that was actually the Passover that Christ was keeping. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke all make it very clear, at least 12 times it calls it the Passover. Now we know that the Jews were also keeping the next night, and they called it Passover, but the, the Passover was on the 14th, and Christ kept it at the right time. So the bread and the wine that he substituted for the, the lamb and, and the bitter herbs and so forth is what we call the Passover, the Christian Passover. That, mm -hmm. So that, that ceremony of taking the bread and the wine. Um, just for, clarif for clarification purposes for our audience, mm -hmm. um, is that something that should be done every day like uh, some denominations do or once, a, uh, or once a year on that day? Or how, would you, how would you explain that? The Passover can only be taken on the Passover. If you take the bread and the wine on any other day, it's not a Passover. You're having a snack. 
uh, it's not the Passover. It has to be done at that particular time and in the, the manner that Christ instructed and in the manner that the Apostle Paul instructed the, the first century church to do it, as we know as a matter of history. The, um, uh, the, the, the idea that you can take pagan practices and put a, uh, a Christian veneer on them is called sanctifying the pagan. That is a, an, an idea of, of mainstream Christianity that originates in the Catholic Church and that you can take a, a completely pagan thing and put a Christian name and a Christian veneer on it and then it's much easier for people of other cultures to come in and graft into this. It's called sanctifying the pagan. But biblically, we are instructed, commanded never to do that. Okay, mm -hmm. so then let's continue with this, the story of how the change happened. You talked about, uh, talked about the apostles and Christ keeping the Passover, even being crucified on the Passover. And you were about to mention, I think, uh, what Paul told the church at Corinth before I interrupted you. Yes, so, oh, yeah. Sorry, so um, maybe if you want to pick up the story with, with, uh, with Paul. Okay. Uh, just in, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and beginning in verse 23, the apostle Paul gave the when, the what, and the why of taking the Christian Passover. And you have to remember that when Christ did it, it was on the 14th. Uh, that was the day, the holy day followed. That's always the 15th of the first lunar month of the, of the, of the Jewish or the Hebrew calendar. And Paul said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. So he is saying, this is what Christ told me, revealed to me to tell you to do. Uh, that the Lord Jesus and this is when we are to do it, on the same night in which he was betrayed, that's the night of the Last Supper, that's the 14th, and then he gives what we are to do, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, eat, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Then he says, why? Do this in remembrance of me. We are to keep a memorial to his death, mm -hmm. not to his resurrection. That is what mm -hmm. he commanded them to do. He's quoting what Jesus said at the Last Supper. And then he is also gives this instruction to a Gentile church. This is a New Testament instruction to a Gentile church on keeping what the, um, the Catholics branded as uh, the Quarto Deciman or the 14th or Passover. Maybe again, if we can just get a, take a, a sidestep here, when we talk about then the 14th day of the first month, what does that mean in terms of, uh, of us today? Because uh, how, how, how can we know when that is? We keep a different, we don't have the Hebrew calendar, we keep a different calendar. So how, how do we even know what we're talking about here? Well, the Jews had preserved the uh, calendar that was, was given to them originally by, by God through Moses. And they've kept that down through the, the centuries. And you can go to the Encyclopedia uh, Britannica 11th edition and it carries it right through to the end of the century when when uh, these, these events are. I think it's very important that we know uh, that it is the 14th uh, because without that understanding it confuses people in terms of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. As uh, Mr. Wakefield has already alluded to here already, the 14th was the Passover but the 15th was the beginning of the Days of Unleavened Bread and that 15th was a high day. It was an annual Sabbath day. And so when people think of Christ being crucified on the preparation for the Sabbath, they often think of the weekly Sabbath 
instead of the annual Sabbath day that uh, was uh, its preparation for that day. And without knowing that, there, it's all confused in terms of when Christ was crucified and when he was resurrected. And it denies the very sign that Jesus gave in Matthew, the 12th chapter, uh, verses tw uh, 38 through 40, that he would be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And that's confirmed by the fact that it was, he was speaking of Jonah, and the Hebrew in Jonah says three days and three nights, and it means exactly that. And you can't get that between Friday and Sunday morning. So then uh, the, 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 the church at the time of the apostles <laughs> kept the Passover. Uh, Paul taught the Passover. What, what happened after that? What happened after Paul died? What's the story from there? Well, uh, that picks up in history what's called the quarter decimal um, controversy in the second century. Paul's, uh, rather, the disciple of John, uh, Polycarp, had this huge uh, um, dispute with Victor of Rome, who was the bishop of Rome at that time. Or Anicetus. Was it Victor or Anicetus? I think it was Anicetus. Okay. Don't mean to contradict you there. Either okay. way. <laughs> you get okay. it right. Um, but uh, over what day they should do. And they agreed to disagree. But later on in the, uh, uh, in, later on in the second century, the whole thing erupted again. And the Pope in Rome in those days literally excommunicated all of the churches in Asia Minor over this. Mm -hmm. for, they, over this, for, over keeping the 14th Passover. That's right. They were called, it was called heretical and anathema. And what, what did they do? So the churches in Asia Minor were continuing to keep the 14th Passover and the churches that were under the, the sway of Rome were doing what by this time? They were keeping Easter or a form of mm -hmm. Easter at, in those days. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. So uh, then with the story from there, what, what happened at that point? Well, they were, uh, the, there was more and more suppressed. Uh, if, if you'll let me read a, a little bit, I don't want to bore everybody. I may interrupt you. I can't, I, can't, I can't promise I won't interrupt you. I'll that's try. A, that's I'll okay. Try. But the history of this is fascinating. <laughs> the fascinating history of this. And I'm going to just point out this book. I don't recommend this book. This is written by theologians, for theologians. I had to go to buy it from Rome to get it. It was written by um, uh, the, uh, theologians from the Catholic faith. But I'd like to just read a little something here from uh, one of the men who have written a paper about this, re referring to the um, quarter decimal Passover. It played a central part in the life of the early Christian communities, and it is highly illustrative of their religious beliefs. This is the first century church he's talking about. Furthermore, celebrating it in the right way was considered by early Christians as vital to their identity. It is quite generally agreed that the oldest form of Christian, of Christian Passover was the one celebrated by the Quarto Decimans. That's what they were given. It was almost a derisive name. This group, however, would end up becoming a marginal minority. On the other hand, the celebration of Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which came into existence in the second century as a result of liturgical uh, innovation, was eventually adopted by the majority of Christians and regarded by them as normative. That was a theological answer by a Catholic theologian, um, uh, Mr. Ruhorst from Tilburg University, a professor there, gave an answer to your question exactly as what happened in those days. So why is it that uh, Catholics and, and many denominations uh, take the bread and the wine all throughout the year. 
Um, how does that, how does that, how did that come into being? Whereas uh, what we're reading here, the New Testament church uh, kept the, the Passover one evening of the year like Christ did. How did they get to the point where they took it all the time? Is, is there anything wrong with that? I mean, you would think more is better, right? If you take the symbol of Christ's sacrifice uh, every, every day, every week, quarterly, wouldn't that be better? What, what's, what's, how did that happen? Well, there are a number of scriptures that would explain uh, why, uh, how it actually came to be, I don't know. But, <clears throat> uh, you know, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Uh, the the uh, prophet Jeremiah said that he did not know the way to guide his steps. And so they're using human reason. And as I like to say, Trump, uh, tradition always trumps truth uh, in, in terms of how people think. Now, in, in truth, Trump, uh, truth will always trump tradition in the end. But for right now, people look to tradition. And I would say that the average person that's going to church today doesn't really have any idea any more than we do as to why their church does exactly what they do. We do understand what we do and why we do it because we're following original Christianity, the Christianity of Christ and the apostles, and they kept it on the Passover as opposed to Easter. You can't even find the name Easter in the Bible except the King James Version where it is clearly a, uh, a gloss or it's a, a corruption of the word Passover only one time. And that's recognized by virtually all scholars. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're trying to follow what the Bible actually says and why people keep it at a different time. Uh, I'd have to appeal to uh, Mr. Wakefield on that because I don't really know why they, they choose once a month or every, every day the Catholic Mass. I guess they do it quite often. Seems mm -hmm. like a variety. Uh, uh, maybe one, one fact is that our, our Catholic friends regard um, the Bible as really a third choice as far as the setting doctrine. The papal authority is first, mm -hmm. and I think I'm correct on this. And then uh, church tradition is second, and the Bible is, is third. There's a lot of things that are, are Catholic traditions that may or may not be uh, biblical, and uh, I don't think they would particularly, particularly argue with that. So they have the Eucharist, which is the little tab on the, on the tongue, and the, our Protestant friends, and they have a, a different tradition in their church. But as a matter of history, and this is broadly agreed upon, especially by uh, Catholic scholars and Catholic theologians. The first century church, as it began, and as they were taught by the apostles, they understand it. That's what they're talking about in this rather dense book that I've got here. They're, they originally had the quarter decimal Passover on the 14th, and they took it on that time for the reasons that you stated. It, pictures Christ our Passover sacrifice for us. But then as a liturgical, liturgical innovation is his term, it changed in the second, third, and fourth centuries and has continued on since that time. It is a tradition that they maintain. Let me add just here so that everybody understands that when we speak of quarta decimen, it quarta is four and decimen is, is ten, it's the fourteenth. So Latin, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to add that in case anybody was wondering what that word is, is all about. Mm -hmm. So in other words, again, that the, the Passover should be kept on the 14th, 14th day of the first month in the Hebrew calendar, which 
every year you can find how it lines up with our Roman calendar just by uh, doing a little bit of checking. I think you can Google it actually and come up with a calendar and it'll show you what day. Well, um, we'll send you one. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Which, which might be a good idea because I, I should say that there are a lot of people True. that want to calculate their own calendars as opposed to uh, from the Jews and they all. Uh, they, they all agree that the Jews are wrong, but they don't agree amongst themselves because you simply cannot construct a, a calendar without that, that proper uh, uh, background from the Jews. Mm -hmm. But there is a way to, to find, uh, if we look at the Hebrew calendar, where it lines up with our calendar today and, and uh, when we should be keeping it. The Christian uh, Passover. The Christian yes. Passover. Mm -hmm. uh, what about the Lord's Supper? How does this play into it? Uh, some uh, churchgoers, they talk about the Lord's the Lord's Supper, um, and would even sometimes uh, keep that Sunday to Sunday. Um, mm -hmm. How does that come into the mix? Any, well, any you have to remember that the Lord's Supper biblically was a Passover. Christ said, how I have longed with great desire to keep this Passover with you, because the, the Passover that they were keeping that day, that full 24-hour period, was about to be the fulfillment of the Passover, mm -hmm. the original Passover, what they had begun. Mm -hmm. So he had longed to do it. He had longed to do it for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. He was waiting mm -hmm. to do that all of that time. He was the God of the Old Testament, and he was about to die for those people mm -hmm. to, to, so that our sins could be passed over. Mm -hmm. So what they call the Lord's Supper, well, you could say that, but it is the Passover that they were taking, and he called it that. I think that's interesting because they they keep the Lord's Supper for breakfast, if you think about it. They keep it Sunday morning oftentimes. Now some keep it in the evening. But in reality, that obscures the truth. And I think that's the reason that it's called that. They don't want to call it Passover because that sounds Jewish. Mm -hmm. And uh, in reality, that the New Testament talks about the Passover constantly. And... Uh, when you change the terminology, just as in political correctness, you change the debate. And I think that that's where that goes back to. Is, do you think there's an aversion? There's an aversion for someone who uh, believes that they were a follower of Christ mm -hmm. to keep the uh, Passover when they think of Passover equaling Jews mm -hmm. who killed the Messiah. Mm -hmm. So do you think there's a stigma in a sense attached to even the term Passover? Well, they they the could equation? be. Uh, I just want to point out that when we keep the Christian Passover, we're not trying to be Jewish. That's right. When we do that. That's right. um, I know that there are people who are, are Messianics and they blend a lot of Jewish customs into their, mm -hmm. into their faith. But we're simply obeying Christ, what he told us to do, and the instructions of the Apostle Paul who told us to follow him. To so what you're saying is the, the Jewish, or the, rather the, the Christian Passover is not the same as the Jewish Passover that many Jews keep today with all the traditions and accoutrements. It's a, we're, we're not talking about the same thing then. What, what I'm saying is that we're not trying to be Jewish when we do it. Okay. And some people think, well, you're keeping the Passover, you're trying to be Jewish. No, we're not. The first century church kept the Passover, and they were instructed mm -hmm. to do it by Christ, instructed mm -hmm. to do it by the apostles, and we didn't read all of the things, but the apostle John instructed uh, Polycarp to uh -huh. do these things. These are a matter of history. We haven't read all of the stuff here that we could be reading to show you all of the historical proof of this. So we are following the first century tradition that our Catholic friends call the primitive church. Mm -hmm. That's the uh -huh. church before uh -huh. it changed. Uh -huh. 
and um, it's very, very important to understand what we're espousing here and promoting is first century Christianity. We've just got a couple minutes left, um, so let's just wind it down here. The meaning of the Passover, the importance of the Passover, um, let's wind up with a comment on that if we could from, from each of you gentlemen, if you would. Mm -hmm. um, why is the Passover, as opposed to Easter, why is the Passover important and critical as part of what we should be observing and God's plan? Let me begin, and I'll let uh, Mr. Weston finish up. Um, just a, a comment on what it's like to keep the Christian Passover. We do it at the beginning of the, the, at the evening, because uh -huh. the day begins then. And it's really a very different experience when you walk in. Usually our church gatherings are joyful, happy, everybody's talking and laughing, and we're having a wonderful time together. But there's a mood that night. It's a very a rather somber mood. It's different from any, any of our other gatherings. There's a sense of the enormity of what happened that night as you go in and sit down to take the bread and the wine in the manner of the first century church. Uh, it's just a most extraordinary experience to do because there's a different spirit that night and a different sense of what's going on so that we realize what happens. It is truly the Christian Passover, and it's a remarkable experience to do it. Mr. Weston, final, final word. Well, I think it's, it's important because Passover is the first of seven annual festivals, and those seven annual festivals portray the plan of God. The Passover shows us that Christ had to shed His blood for us. It's the new covenant in His, his blood and, and, and the bread there. So what we, what we see is that that is the, the beginning. We recognize that we are sinners. We recognize we need the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 7 and 8, it says, Therefore, uh, for Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Those are the words that are, that are there. Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. And then he tells the Corinthians, the Gentile Corinthians, Therefore, let us keep the feast not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And so he's saying, because Christ died for us, we must respond to that sacrifice by repenting of our sins. And then we come to the day of Pentecost, which pictures the coming of the Holy Spirit to write God's law in our hearts and our minds. So it's the beginning of a whole plan and purpose, the God's master plan, as we have there in that one booklet, uh, these holy days portray that. And if we get off track at the very beginning, we stay off track the whole, whole rest of the way. Okay, thank you. I might just uh, add, since you mentioned the, the, the holy days as a, as a whole, uh, we do have a booklet, The Holy Days, God's Master Plan, and along with uh, the booklet that Mr. Weston wrote about Easter, uh, called Easter, the Untold Story, Put it straight here so you can see it. Uh, another piece of literature that was mentioned today, uh, very worthwhile to order it and read it, or you can read it online as well. And, of course, uh, the article that Mr. Wakefield wrote called The Quarter Deciman. Are you a quarter deciman? Uh, that also would be a little bit of background to the discussion today. 
So thank you very much, gentlemen. I appreciate your willingness to dive into this, uh, this topic that has a lot of history behind it and a lot of detail. But uh, hopefully, hope, I hope for our audience that you all enjoy the discussion, that you, that you learn something. We're challenged by, by it, perhaps. And if you're challenged by it and you go to the Bible and read what was referred to today, the scriptures, the story that is actually in the Bible, I think you'll benefit and um, certainly follow up if you'd like further study with one of these, with the, with these booklets. But most importantly, uh, we have to do what, what, is, what, is what we're told to do in God's Word, and that's what we're trying to focus on here, and we're trying to learn about and teach about as well. So thanks for being with us on the TW Now program, and we look forward to seeing you next time.